you got to take these kids out of their environment and let them see the world. I mean, there are some kids that have never left their hood. You know what I mean? That, that's all they know is their hood. They've never seen ocean. They never put their toes in the sand and whatnot. I mean, they've never seen tall buildings and sky, skyscrapers and things of that nature. I mean, give a, give a child an opportunity to see the world. Give them the, give them the opportunity to see what type of opportunity that they have available to them as they get older. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years' experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the latest episode of the Black and Blue Podcast, where we celebrate diversity in law enforcement. My name is Dale. I'm the host. Thank you for joining me. I love and, and appreciate the support you've shown me and this show. If, uh, if you want to continue supporting the show, please, please like and subscribe to the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast. You know, it really helps me tremendously with those uh, with the algorithms out there. So please do that. And uh, make sure you click on that uh, that bell icon on the YouTube channel so you can get notified whenever I drop new content. And uh, check out the Black and Blue Podcast social media pages. You can find us everywhere at Black and Blue US. So today's guest is a 20-year veteran of the Arlington County Sheriff's Department in Virginia. So everyone, please help me welcome in Corporal John Harrell. <laughs> How you doing, sir? I'm well. How are you, brother? Excellent, man. Excellent. Glad to see you on. Thank Glad you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Excellent. So how's your, how's your day shaping out out there in, uh, in Virginia right now? Well, the day in Virginia, I have no knowledge of. I recently retired about a year and a half ago. Or not, I'm sorry, a year and a month ago. Okay. And I've relocated to, to Naples, Florida with my family. So as it oh. stands right now, yeah. It's it's about eighty degrees outside, mostly yes. sunny, with palm yes. trees swaying. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so, so you retirement bird down there? What what, what uh, brought you down to Florida though? You got people you know, down there? Or? I don't. I don't have anybody down here. Um, you know, for, for first and foremost, Florida doesn't tax my retirement, so my money came in full right. load as well. Right. So uh, that was a good thing. And, and it's, it's simple fact that the weather is very nice. There's beautiful white sand beaches down here mm. um, and you know, good, good things for my family to do and things of that nature. So, you know, it, it was a no brainer, in my opinion. No doubt. No doubt. Well, congratulations on that. Congratulations on a 20 year career. And uh, yes. But uh, unfortunately, we got to talk about Virginia. Talk about Arlington oh, no. County, not so much uh, Florida right now, uh, although, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'd love to get down there at some point. But uh, so I say you you had uh, 20 years with Arlington County, Virginia. Tell everybody about uh, what you did there uh, during your time. Well, you know, when I, when I first got into Arlington, it was an eye opening experience for me because it was a, a, a it was also a breath, a breath of fresh air to be able to come into an agency um, with extensive background in law enforcement that it had. A, a culture that 
I embraced and whatnot and, and the culture that embraced me. So I first came in and, and my first assignment was in confinement and it was all foreign territory to me. I had never been in a jail setting whatsoever and whatnot and did not know what to expect. But at the same time, I, I developed a good social skill, a good professional skill, and and it, and it spawned from there. I, I, I left the detention facility and went into the gang unit where I was the um, supervisor and coordinator for the sheriff's emergency, I mean, sheriff's intelligence unit, which we uh, profited from um, having extensive background as far as gang culture is concerned. We did a lot of gang investigations, things of that nature. We spread our knowledge around across the country where we developed programs and whatnot to train individual law enforcement agencies to develop a program as far as a gang tactic um, team is concerned and whatnot. And just to provide that type of intelligence and information to share with local law enforcement, federal, state law enforcement jurisdictions on gang intelligence. Um, I I left that arena and went into a fugitive warrant section for a little bit, court security. And then I ended my training with the uh, in the training section with the Northern Virginia Criminal Justice Training Academy as a instructor there uh, under the Arlington County umbrella. Um, which was in jurisdictional academy, which surrounds itself by 17 jurisdictions inside Ashburn, Virginia. And that itself was probably one of my most well-received um, assignments as far as I'm concerned. And also some, some of the things that I took from it, you know, dealing with individuals, dealing with new people that want to come into law enforcement and learn the concepts and ideas of law enforcement, you know, and, and develop some uh, some camaraderie from different agencies as far as the instructors that were there and also some of the, uh, like I said before, some of the new breed of law enforcement that is out on the streets right now that I've currently I've been responsible for probably almost 900 individuals that are on the streets right now. But, um, you know, that in itself was was eye opening, along with some latter responsibilities that I've had as far as like special weapons and tactics is concerned, active counter sniper uh, in, in the D.C. and DMV area. So I, I've done a lot. Um, you know, and I've, I've had a lot of opportunities. Um, if I couldn't have done anything that I just mentioned, if it weren't for the opportunities that were bestowed on me from great leadership with the Arlington County Sheriff's office and individuals that gave me a chance to do what I, what I felt, you know, would bring me joy and fulfillment in my career. So my hat goes off to those individuals for allowing me to do what I did. Yeah. That's what's up. I mean, you got a breadth of experience there. Sound like you did everything. Uh, tell, tell our viewers and our, and our listeners, uh, where exactly is Arlington County? What's the demographic makeup, you know, the population size and all that. Well, Arlington County sits right across the bridge West of uh, Washington, DC. And it's a jurisdiction that's very small. Um, I would, I would imagine, I'm thinking maybe about 21, 26 square mile jurisdiction, Again, like I said, right across the bridge from Washington, D.C., our department was made up of a little less than than 280 sworn individuals with a lot of administrative staff to put in place to supplement some of the things that we were doing in the community. And, you know, we were we were second as far as, uh, you know, in command, as far as what we deal with in Arlington County next to our police department, our brothers in blue. So, um, you know, the, the schematics of the situation involving Arlington County Sheriff's Office and the police department are a very cohesive unit. And we, we did a lot of work together, a lot of training together. And we really appreciate the efforts of each individuals who were involved in, in the law enforcement aspect in Arlington County and what they've given us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they, they've come under a lot of uh, microscopes and, 
and uh, cameras lately about what's been going on in, in the D.C. area, uh, yeah. particularly what happened with the insurrection at the Capitol and all that. So I'm sure all those agencies work together. What What was your thoughts when you when you saw all that go down? Well, you know, um, it was it was disappointing, but at the same time, also I felt um, I felt like I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there to help out. I felt like I wanted to join my brothers in, in battle and whatnot. And, and, and help out as much as I can or as much as I could. And, you know, I, I felt I felt sorry for those individuals who had to go over there and deal with the nonsense that was going on at the Capitol building. But at the same time, I mean, when you're in a hot pocket like the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, you got to expect to have some type of situations that you're going to deal with a large, you know, civil disturbances and things of that nature. And that was one of my fortes when I was in the sheriff's office and also as the academy instructor at the Northern Virginia Criminal Justice Training Academy. Um, I, I taught civil disturbance classes and things of that nature. And at the same time, you know, look, looking and recognizing some of the things that were going on at the Capitol building that day on January the 6th were a little bit unsettling to me. And you know, a, a lot of it was just a lack of intelligence and whatnot that was gathered and a lot of focus and detail that was that was missing. But at the same time, given the circumstances that those guys were put up against, you know, it, it it looked like from the outside looking in that they did a pretty good job, but it could have been it could have been orchestrated a little bit better, in my opinion. But you know, right. it, it's it's sad. It's a sad set of circumstances all the way around. Yeah, it was, and and one of the officers lost his life during that, and uh, you know, another civilian did as well. So yeah, uh, hearts go out and prayers go out to to those families. But, uh, you know, we, we moved on and we, and we learned and, and hopefully, like you said, uh, something like that doesn't happen again. Uh, right. You wanted to be there, but you you out the game now. <laughs> so uh, what's yeah, life like for yeah, you now, though? Man, life is life is in slow motion right now. Um, life is, is, is sitting back and understand, understanding the schematics of the situation that I'm in, trying to figure out what I want to do for my second life. I'm getting more and more involved with my family. I got a two-year-old daughter who's about to turn three in May. Wow! You know, congratulations. Um, you know, yeah, thank you, thank you, brother. Got a beautiful wife who's a big, you know, support system of mine to to be able to do what I want to do and be and be able to feel comfortable doing it. You know, so you know, like I said before, man, life is in slow motion, and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out what it what it feels like to be a civilian again. And it's challenging. It's challenging. Yeah. It's hard and whatnot to take a step back, especially when you're dealing with things, you know, in, in law enforcement perspective. But, uh, you know, it, it's slow motion right now, and it's it's what I enjoy right now. Yeah, yeah. And you got to make sure that, you know, you, you do have your family. So that that's one outlet. And make sure you, you have other outlets as well, because that's one thing that plagues, you know, uh, former law enforcement officers is that, you know, once they retire, a lot of them don't last too much longer after that only because their life right. was law enforcement. They had no outlets. And, and now that that's yep. taken away from them, they don't know what to do. So uh, hopefully right. you can, you can make sure you can fill that void somehow. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I say my daughter's a blessing in disguise, yes. man, because she keeps me young. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I got a lot of miles, but the transmission is still good, bro. And, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. yeah, so I mean, she 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 keeps me going, man. So and I appreciate her for doing that, man. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. 
So uh, real quick, uh, you know, going back to Arlington County. So I'm just trying to figure out the the, uh, the the setup of the sheriff's department. Was there like a patrol function, a detective function, or what did, did that was that all handled by a PD? Uh, what, what sort of functions did the uh, sheriff's department take care of? Yeah, well, the, the, the sheriff's department, in order for you to be certified as a law enforcement individual in Virginia, you have to have three certifications, court security, civil process, and law enforcement. So the sheriff's department, they, they had awareness in, in the community, visibility in the community throughout their uh, uh, civil civil process section, which was their warrant section, which they dealt a lot with civil uh, situations and whatnot, was just an extension of the court systems and things of that nature. But at the same mm-hmm. time, they did things as far as patrol, you know, smooth operator opportunities and things of that nature, running radar and LIDAR, assisting with, uh, you know, civil disturbances in the community, assisting with, you know, uh, special weapons and tactics situations in the community, doing a lot in the community inside and out of Arlington, Virginia, especially when mutual aid responsibilities were attained uh, or, or, or administered for us to do so. Um, but we, we took care of the courthouse. We took care of the jail. We also took care of some of the citizens in Arlington County as far as the perspective of law enforcement is concerned. So there was a lot to be involved with with the sheriff's office. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, we talked off air that you had some experience prior to going to Arlington County. What what was that? Yeah, I, I, for for a very small stint or short stint, I was DOD Department of Defense Police in West Bethesda, Maryland, at the Carter Rock Division, and uh, just some you know federal law enforcement background to myself. I, I graduated down in Lackland, Texas, at the uh, Federal Law Enforcement Academy down there back in 1997. And, uh, you know, I decided that, you know, I wanted to do bigger and better things. I wanted to get an opportunity to do more in law enforcement. So that's what spawned my attention to Arlington County and went on Arlington County to do some of the things that we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any military experience? Is that how you got into the I didn't have any military. Yeah, I, d- I didn't have any military experiences. You know, coming out, you know, from a, a career as far as an athlete is concerned, I was done playing ball back in 1995 and 96. And um, I wanted to do something that wasn't routine, that wasn't ordinary. I wanted to do yeah. something that was challenging and whatnot, something that I can help out and help people do some things with. So that's when I got involved with law enforcement and whatnot. And um, like I said before, it, it inspired me to do a lot of things. And, and the people that I work with gave me an opportunity to do big things in law enforcement. No doubt. So what do you play? What, what sport? I played football. I played football. Okay. I played linebacker, fullback. And at my heaviest, which was about 290, I was an offense, uh, offensive guard. All right, all right. Where did you play? I played at the University of Pittsburgh. also played it for uh, several um, semi-pro teams and things of that nature. I played it one year in the Arena League, played with the Buffalo Destroyers and also with the Johnstown Jackals. Nice, nice. You ever do that for, in a law enforcement capacity? I know there's some uh, law enforcement teams. I got some uh, co-workers that, that uh, participate in some leagues. they have anything like that out there? Well, you know what? I'm not sure what they have in the Northern Virginia area. I know they have semi-pro professional leagues in the, uh, in the Northern Virginia area. But as far as the law enforcement aspect is concerned, I'm not sure if they have that. I know they have it in New York. But, um, and, and also yeah. in New Jersey. But I'm not aware of them having anything like that. In Virginia, I mean, I would I would have loved to do something like that, but at the same time, I was getting too entrenched in my career. And also, when I first started, I was coaching as well at um, at, at, a, at a middle school in Frederick, in Frederick, Maryland, at um, Thomas Johnson uh, Middle School and High School. So, you know that that fulfilled me a lot. 
you know, as far as the football aspect is concerned, to get five years of coaching under my belt, five years with four championships, I might add, if I want to brag a okay. little bit. Yes, yeah, but yeah, yep. but yeah, but yeah I mean, Do that. doing doing the thing with Thomas Johnson and the kids out in Frederick, Maryland, was very, very rewarding, very, very fulfilling in my career as far as a coach is concerned. All right, right. You plan on doing any coaching down there in Florida? And you know what? It, it it all depends on what type of opportunities are are, are given and what what opportunities are out there. I mean, dealing with this COVID situation, there are a lot of you know, school districts and right now their football programs are just now starting up for for the yeah. uh, for the springtime coming up because they were affected in the fall. So, you know, athletics, as far as scholastics is concerned in, in the, uh, you know, adolescence and, and high school and things of that nature, it's all it's all in a disarray right now. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's all about being healthy and, 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 you know, being entrenched in your community. So if the opportunity were to uh, present itself, I, I may take a part in it. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to my boy uh, Larry Fitz down there in Florida. He's a uh, he's a high school coach down there. Um uh, not quite sure how how close that is to you, but uh you know, he's he's always posting and and uh that what's going on with the with the schools out there and the kids and and uh you know, his school puts a, a lot of kids in college. Uh I'll get you in mm-hmm. contact with him afterwards, so. Oh, no doubt. Good Love stuff. to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So uh you know, you you decided you wanted to get in law enforcement after after your football career. What what was that uh, that experience like for you? Did, did you did your family, did your friends, you know, try to dissuade you into getting in law enforcement? You know, because of the the stigma placed on law enforcement, especially in, in our community, in the black community. Uh, what was that experience like for you? I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think that my my family tried to dissuade me at all. I mean, I've I have family in law enforcement. My a matter of fact, okay. at the Northern Virginia Criminal Justice Training Academy, I shared a wall with my uncle. My uncle was a Fairfax County police officer in Fairfax, Virginia. So um, you know, I don't I've never had that type of, you know, negative interaction with my family as far as what career path I tried to uh establish. I mean, nothing but support, nothing but love. I mean, as as times will tell itself throughout my community, throughout some of the things that have gone on in law enforcement throughout my community, there have been individuals in my family that have voiced concern, and rightfully so. But at the same time, they know what type of character I come to the table with. They know what I'm all about, and, and I'm all about integrity. I'm all about, you know, uh, ambition to do things and do things in the right way and on the right level. So therefore, you know, when it comes to support, I have nothing but the utmost support for my family, because if I didn't, I probably wouldn't get involved in it. And, uh, you know, that's just the way I feel about it. Right, right, right. Growing up, did you ever have any, you say you never had any interactions, any negative interactions with law enforcement, so that kind of didn't dissuade you, kind of spurred you to want to get into it. Uh, Did your uncle kind of help you, uh, mentor you along the way to kind of push you towards and, and usher you towards law enforcement and your career through it? You know, that, that's that's one of the things I kind of regret. I really did not reach out to him to to give me a basic understanding of what I was diving into. Um, you know, and as far as the interaction that you had that you mentioned before involving law enforcement, I, I just remember Officer Friendly coming into school when I was in elementary. Big black guy, you know, in full uniform, badge of authority showing and whatnot, dressed to yeah. the nines. And he and he talked to us. He talked to us in a positive manner and he instilled the fact that, you know, we shouldn't fear him. We should reach out to him in case, you know, we needed help from law enforcement. So, you know, w- with that aspect and, and also doing a lot of interaction with law enforcement when I was security for the uh, Pittsburgh Green Tree Marriott, 
when I had issues and I had to call law enforcement for backup and things of that nature and the professionalism that I was greeted with, with Green Tree Police Department and whatnot, it inspired me to get involved more and more in the law enforcement aspect was concerned. So therefore, when football was over, what I, I needed to pay the bills. And, and I thought maybe paying the bills was was a good idea for me to get into law enforcement because the money's pretty good. It was pretty good down in Northern Virginia area and whatnot. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, I, I was able to do some things that, that, um, that I was inspired to do and, and had a, and had a, a niche to do. And that's just communicate and, and talk to people and, and, and greet people in a professional manner and whatnot and, and understand the circumstances that a lot of individuals are going through are not necessarily negative. They, they just look for somebody positive being in picture. Right. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm, I'm glad you got that experience, but you should have, you know, you think, like you said, uh, have some more experience from a, from a mentor perspective. Were you able to mentor any, anyone behind you along the way? Oh my goodness, man. Like I said before, um, you know, when you, when you get, when you get cards and you get handshakes and you get hugs from individuals that walk across the stage after they receive their certificate from the department of justice services and whatnot, yeah. as an instructor, I mean, those are the things that I really take, you know, heart to dealing with individuals, young kids, young millennials coming into the game and whatnot. And, and they're telling you that they appreciate the things that you told them. They appreciate the things that you have um, instilled in them, those values and whatnot, and the training and whatnot that they've received for the last six months of their lives and whatnot. How you affect them, how you reach them, how you inspire them to do the right thing. I mean, that, that's all I can think of, man. And that's, that's all, yeah. that's what I appreciate the most. You know what I'm saying? I, I appreciate that more than, than anything. And, and I've had a lot of appreciation and a lot of data boys come from my colleagues and whatnot on from an administrative level and, and from a high ranking level. But at the same time, going to the academy as an instructor and touching the souls and touches the mind, touching the minds of these young kids, these young men and women that are coming into this arena of law enforcement, that was very, very gratifying extremely gratifying it. And I, I really take it to heart about some of the compliments and comments that people have said about me, you know, as a, as an instructor and as an individual who was, who was led, you know, the gang culture and the gang community in, in, in Northern Virginia and the DMV area. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, speaking on the, on the gang culture and the gang assignment, is, is there, is there a large uh, gang culture out there in Virginia in that whole area? Uh, you know, what, oh, what sort of activity, what sort of uh, stuff did you have to do deal with in, in that arena? I mean, the, the, the gang culture was deep in Northern Virginia. The gang culture okay. was, was deep in Washington, D.C. with their cliques and their crews and their mobs over across the river and whatnot. And even in Maryland, it spilled over in Maryland and whatnot. But DMV, I mean, excuse me, Virginia area was, was kind of in, in, exclusive in its own right because of the fact that we had so many individuals who were coming in from all over the country, you know, migrating to the area because of opportunities as far as employment was concerned. So okay. that was the, and that was the intrusion of all these, of, of, of all the quote unquote Hispanic gangs that were coming in. I mean, back in the early nineties and whatnot, the construction, um, the construction industry was huge in Northern Virginia area. So you know, those, those cats would come into the DMV area and, and they would, they would work and then they would gang bang second. But at the same time, and we were dealing with a lot of them, we were dealing with a lot of MS-13, a lot of Southside Locos, a lot of 18th Street. But we were also dealing with gangster disciples. We were also dealing with Bloods and Crips and things of that nature. You know, um, all these indications or, or, or indicates from, from Chicago as far as, you know, some of the gangs that were coming in from Chicago as well. And, and even in the, New, in the New York area, we were dealing with that, Trinitarios, 
Um, a, a lot of the prison gangs that were coming out, a lot of guys that were getting released from Rikers Island, a lot of guys that were getting released from state institutions were coming back and they were trying to, you know, maintain or reclaim their turf. And, and so, right. in, and so in part, a lot of that, you know, inspired as far as the gang activity is concerned in the Northern Virginia. Area. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like, uh, you know, they had their handful, you had your hands full out there dealing with that. Uh, you guys get a, get a handle on that. On that gang problem. I mean, we, we have, we, we have, I mean, we, we did a lot of things, you know, back in the early 2000s and late 90s with the federal government with um, a, a lot of things that we were afforded with as far as finances were concerned to bring on the, this gang initiative programs and whatnot for youth that are in the streets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's instead of just suppressing, I mean, we, we did a lot of teaching. We did a lot of intervention training and programming in the communities with the school districts and some of the boys and girls clubs of America and whatnot. And we also did a lot of intelligence training and gang training to other local agencies, state agencies, and also agencies down South that were getting funneled individual gang activity from Northern Virginia because we were pushing them out. So um, at the same time, I mean, we, we, we did it. Like I said before, we did a lot of training. We did a lot of intervention programs and it wasn't just busting heads and locking kids up because that's not, that's, that's not going to, you know, that's not going to defeat the purpose. The purpose is to grab these kids and, and get them to understand that there's more that's out there other than the fact that what they're doing on the streets as far as gangbanging is concerned. Yeah, no doubt. A lot of that outreach and, and, and jobs is what they need in, in the first place. Right. A lot of that, uh, right. especially with the, the, the young kids, they get into that because there's no, no supervision, first of all, in the home. And then a lot of those uh, programs that, you know, were out when we were coming up are no longer there. You know, they, they've gone right. by the wayside because of funding and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they just hanging out and, you know, who, who comes to reach out to them? You know, these, these gangs. Exactly. So. Just like just like you said, I mean, they're not getting that attention at home. They're getting no yeah. love at home. They're yeah. getting all that love and, and, and you know, and all that activity that they that they want in their life, the positive activity that they want in their life from the streets. And that, yeah. that's all they see. And, and, and it's yeah. unfortunate that's what they see. And you got to take these kids out of their environment and let them see the world. I mean, there are some kids that have never left their hood. You know what I mean? Right. That's all they know is their hood. They've never seen ocean. They never put their toes in the sand and whatnot. I mean, they've never seen tall buildings and sky, skyscrapers and things of that nature. I mean, give a give a child an opportunity to see the world. Give them the mm-hmm. give them the opportunity to see what type of opportunity that they have available to them as they get older. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, out here in the, in L A. in the L A. area, you know, we right here on the beach, uh, close to the beach, and there's people uh, never been to the beach. You know, they out there in South L A. and and they don't go west of the you know whatever freeway the I the the one ten freeway, so they don't go to the beach. So. Uh, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, I'm like an hour from the beach and, you know, I go you know a few times a year and then, you know, they like 15 minutes from the beach and ain't never been. So it's, right. it's interesting. It's interesting. Dichotomy. Yeah. Dichotomy. So, uh, it is. also, uh, another crazy, you know, 2020 was, was a mess. Wasn't it? Uh, hopefully yeah, 2021 won't be. Ridiculous. Yeah. Hopefully 2021 yeah, I'm, won't I'm, be I'm as bad, Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So we, we had a whole bunch of, uh, police, things and BLM go down uh the most famous of them being uh, the George Floyd incident what what was your thoughts when you when you saw that go down um you know it it, it kind of blew up in our faces because of the activity as far as social media is concerned where everybody it's electric it's electrifying to see something like that and it's electrifying that the whole world has seen it 
Um, it's not like back in the Rodney King situation where, you know, thank God a, a guy had a, a video recorder and whatnot. And, you know, and, and, and he, he, he did, a, he did, a, you know, whatever he did as far as recording the situation, but it just seemed like the George Floyd situation involving Minnesota law enforcement was, was in our face. There was, there was no way to avoid it. There was the frustration and the rage and confusion and the anger on that law enforcement official's face was all there for us to see. Um, and the, 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 the fact that, you know, the emotions that were surrounding it were the people that were involved in it in the background, what they were saying, what they were hearing, what they were visualizing and whatnot, all played in the picture as to what was going on with the George Floyd situation. And it's, it was unavoidable. It was unavoidable yeah. for us to, to, to try to ignore it. We couldn't ignore that. There was no way on God's green earth we could ignore no. what was going down. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's what frustrated me. It frustrated, it frustrated me with the simple fact that this is live and direct almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yep. with the technology that we have in, in our faces nowadays, we can't afford to fumble the rock. You know what I mean? Right. We, we right. cannot afford to fumble the rock. And that's exactly what they did. They fumbled the rock. And, you know, you, you got to control your emotions in a setting like that. And that's experience from a law enforcement perspective. You have to learn how to control your emotions and deal with the general public in the right frame of mind. And if you can't, step off. Step off so somebody else can step onto the scene and make it right. You know what I mean? For real. So that, for that's real. just my that, that that's that's my my fourth forethought involving the situation as far as George yeah. Floyd is concerned. It's, it's also unfortunate that this month when that trial starts, you know that you know the people are going to be live and direct in the courtroom because I believe the judge has um has advised the general public that he's going to allow cameras in this courtroom and whatnot, and, and we're going to see a mess. We're going mm-hmm. to see a mess, but at the same time, I mean, let's come together as as a community. Let's come together as a as a culture in this country and and understand the rights and wrongs as far as the criminal justice system is concerned. And let's work together. Let's work together to make it right, to get it in the right direction. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I mean that that, that is is interesting because that's how the case started to begin with was with a camera and it's going to end with, with cameras in the courtroom. So exactly. yeah, yep. interesting on that. And, and you were, you were talking about, you know, the look on his face and, and you know, the, the crowd, the sights and sounds of the crowd as well. And to mm-hmm. me, it seemed like it was just, you know, uh, Chauvin, the officer that, that did the, uh, the murder, uh, just more like he was thinking, you know, contempt of cop, you know, that, you know, y- y'all, y'all not going to tell me what to do. I'm the police. Um, right. I let up, I let up on his neck when I'm when I'm damn well good and ready, and you could just see right. that on I mean, his face. And yeah, and in, and in layman terms and street terms, I mean, he, he was power tripping, man. I mean, he yeah, he was no he was definitely power tripping. And at the same time, give those young guys that were in that were in uniform at the time of the situation, give them the authority, give them the power to to grab that dude by the shoulder and be like, "Look, man, let me take over. You go over there and and you take a deep breath." And, and let us take over, let us take over the situation. Right. But at the right. same time, I mean, th- those, those guys were in a situation where, you know, their hands were tied behind their back because of the fact that they were young, they were new to the game and whatnot. And they really didn't know exactly what was going on in my opinion. And, and, and I think wholeheartedly that they felt bad about the situation, but at the same time, you know how it is. I mean, you, yeah. you know, the code, I mean, you know, some some things we have to change in law enforcement, some things we have to change as far as our training is concerned and how much we want people to get involved. 
And, and, right. and in order for us to do something like that, we have to make change to our training regimens, period, point blank. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, out here in Cali, they, you know, we've already been doing this. I, w- I would like to think, at least in my department, uh, where you must intervene, the intervention law, uh, as a law enforcement officer, when you see another officer or somebody doing something like that, uh, you must intervene. I'm sure a lot of departments already had that, but now they codified it into an actual law now. But uh, I was getting at, uh, you know, the the younger officers there, if they would have stepped to uh, to Chauvin and, and, and pulled him off or whatever, you know, what would have been the ramifications to them? Because for one, uh, Floyd wouldn't have died. So, right. you know, what were they stopping? You know, you know, right. if you look at it that way, you know, he could have said, you know, I had this under control and uh, he wouldn't have died if they pulled him off. So then now what are they standing on that? He could have died. You know what I mean? So you got to flesh those out uh, before you, before you in, <laughs> make these other officers, uh, 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 go forward with these sorts of situations and, and intervene. Right. So you got to make sure that, that, right. you know, they don't have any retaliation through, through administration or anything like that. Right. I mean, and like I said before, man, you got, you got to give them the power. You got to give them the power of knowledge. You got to give them the power of training and intelligence to understand, to recognize when situation, when situations are going wrong. I mean, t- tell that dude to fall back. I mean, tell him to fall right. back, you know, and well, no doubt, and, no doubt. And, yeah. And, and and somebody needed to take over the situation. And it's unfortunate that there weren't more experienced and more seasoned law enforcement yes. veterans that were there in the situation to understand that and part. recognize that it was escalating in the wrong way. It escalated yeah. in the wrong mm-hmm. way from the from the very beginning. Okay. Yeah. So yep. and, and I yep. wasn't there. I don't know all the facts. And we, we weren't there. So, you know what, but at, at the same time, if you're if you're tuning in you know, for the for the hearing that's going to take place in the month of March, or if it's still scheduled to take place in the month of March, you, you're going to see things that you did not see. You're going to hear things that you did not hear, and 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 have an open mind to the concept of of what we deal with in law enforcement. But at the same time, recognize when wrong was wrong, and it was wrong. Period. It was wrong. That was wrong. That was wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then among the other things that happened in 2020, uh, you know, we had. Uh, Ahmaud Arbery, we had uh, Breonna Taylor. It just seems like everything was just stacking and stacking and stacking. And then, uh, you know, George Floyd was the was the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say. And then, uh, and then we had the the, the unrest and the protest. Uh, you you were gone, retired before you know all that went down. Is that correct? Well, I was I was still active um, with with Breonna Taylor. I was still I was still active with. Um, with with several other okay. incidents that happened in law enforcement in African in the African American community, and you know, and, and, and that's the good thing about being an instructor. You can use these as tabletop discussions with the right. youth that is entering law enforcement, and you can set the record straight right then and there before they go out in the streets. You can yeah. take these examples and like, and you can use them for training tools and knowledge as to what is going on in law enforcement. Right. And, and and as soon as some of these things transpire, you know, with Black Lives Black Lives Matter and things of that nature, I mean, to, to me and to you, none of this is new. This stuff's not new. No, this has this been, been going, going on in this country for the, decades. The 60s, the 50s, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that, like I said before, technology is allowing us to see this stuff live mm-hmm. and direct. You know what I mean? The As body cameras that are coming out. The, the 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 YouTube videos, the the Facebook lives and Twitter lives and stuff like that. I mean, people have cameras 
everywhere you walking around. I mean, everywhere yes. you go, people have cameras. Yeah, yeah. So you and I, and I told those cats, I told those kids coming out, I said, you got to make sure you understand that every single time you walk out your house, you are live and direct. No doubt. No you're going to be on TMZ. You're going to be on YouTube live before you get home if you do something wrong. Trust and believe that. Yes. So walk around with your uniform and badge of authority like somebody is recording you every single minute of your shift. And do they are. the right thing. Yep, yep. Do the right I remember thing. The, the first one that, that hit that home for me was, uh, remember the Philando Castile, uh, that was live on Facebook. Uh, that shit, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and that one was just yeah. like, wow, that really just happened, yeah. you know, and that was yeah. crazy. Yep. That was crazy, it, it dude, was. you know, it, yeah, because he, and it, you know, that was that was streaming recorded. live, and he, and he was like, you know, hey, I'm going to do this. He he advised the officer, and then he still he still got shot. So, but he, but you you also you you also have to take for for example, and also take in consideration the fear factor that a lot of law enforcement officials yeah. encounter in their career. And, and and I'm not saying that it's, it's white fearing black. I'm not saying that it's black fearing white. It's the fear of the freaking unknown. That's what it is. It ain't had nothing to do with skin color. It's the fear of the unknown that a lot of individuals come in contact with. Because me as academy instructor, I understand where you're coming from before you get into the door. I know you were a chef. I know you were a cruise ship director. I know you were a classically trained pianist. I know you were a collegiate football player and an athlete. I know you were all that before you decided that you wanted to take a dive into law enforcement. So, and I understand the fact that, you know, you're, you're going out into the unknown and you're fearing the unknown and uncertain circumstances and whatnot. When you conduct a traffic stop on your own with no backup and you consider an individual in your, in, in the car in front of you to be a threat, he's only a threat if you entitle him to be a threat. If you don't communicate right. with them well, if you don't if, if you don't conduct yourself in a professional manner, you have nothing to be afraid of. Now, exactly. you have something to be concerned about. You should be concerned about every traffic stop that you conduct or with every time you interact with a human being out on the streets. But you don't have to fear for your safety. You don't have no. to. If you if you have the proper training and you know how to respond and talk to people, you're, you're, you're not going to be afraid. I was never right. afraid to engage with anybody. Never. No, not because of no. the fact that I'm six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds. It, it, it had, <laughs> but at the same time, it has something to do with my physical presence because my uniform was always crisp, always yes. crisp. Yes, but at the same yes. time, my language was crisper, if that's a word. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I would, I would put people at ease when I, when I, when I interacted with them, at, you know, and and I've done that throughout my career, and and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I don't, I've never had any excessive force situations involved. I've had hundreds of, of hands-on situations where I have to detain somebody, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, and, and I've, I've learned to do that based upon my training and my skill set from, from being in law enforcement. No doubt. No doubt. You, you, you gotta be aware, but you gotta treat everybody professionally, you know, like the way you want to be treated and, uh, and I'm right. the same way. You know, I haven't had, <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't had any uh, excessive force complaints to myself, you know, over the years, you know, I got over 20 years in the game still going, you know, God willing, I'll be, you know, knock on wood. Uh, I'll be able to retire here in a few years, just like you and uh, living God on the beach you, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, try, I'm trying, yeah. brother. I'm trying The the yeah. wife is, uh, she's from Costa Rica. So I'm, I'm trying to, to get us over there oh. after we both yeah. retire. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That beach life in Costa yeah. Rica. That's what I'm talking about. Waves yeah. and sunshine. Waves and sunshine are coming your way, brother. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just, um, you know, the, the the training aspect is is what I'm concerned about, and and throughout my career, 
as a use of force instructor, you know, all of that SWAT stuff that I've been a part of and, and, and sniper stuff that I've been a part of. I think one of the biggest things that I've done in my career that I can really hang my hat on that I really thought was great training was critical incident training, critical incident yeah. training and dealing with the mental health. I mean, man, I, I if, if I would have had that it throughout my first couple months in the academy and throughout my first couple years in law enforcement, I would have been a better off, you know, police officer or deputy sheriff to begin with. But when, right. when I took those courses, you know, later in my career, I was like, wow, I mean, these are individuals that, that law enforcement have, is coming across in our streets right now that they're not prepared for. They're just not prepared for that mental illness yeah. and they're not prepared for anybody who's going, who's going to snap back at them. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a way of dealing with things. And, and unfortunately, you know, because of the and, you know, budgets and things of this nature and, and finances and money that, you know, are on the back burner in, in law enforcement nowadays. Right. Right. And that's what I was going to get into, too, that, uh, you know, you got these these incidents. It seems like more mental ill, uh, mentally ill people were out on the streets than they were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so now we have to deal with it as police. And that's because, you know, funding on those programs have been have been cut. So now they're releasing yep. those people. And then there's there's, you know, homelessness uh, that a lot of communities are dealing with. So, you know, and the police are the ones that they call. But on the flip side, now they, you know, with this reform and reimagining police, they don't want the police to respond to these sorts of things. So how how's that look? How's that going to work for you? What, what, what do you think about that? Well, you know what, man, I, I never I never was the type of individual to use the word to fund or reform or anything like that. It's, it's reallocating money. Everybody has a freaking fiscal, fiscal budget every single year. And it's reallocating money, just like you stated, you know, a couple of seconds ago. One of the reasons why you get a lot of people who are mostly disturbed that are walking out on the streets because they have no resources. Mm-hmm. A lot of states have, have taken away money from the mental hospitals. They've closed them. They shut them down and whatnot. And now these individuals, they're dealing with counselors. They're dealing with social workers that wear a badge and a uniform. And right. and, and, and what they're doing is they're, they're, they're taking these guys and these gals to jail. And, he, and when they're in jail, they're in jail for a certain amount of time and whatnot. And they receive whatever little bit of medication that they get, whatever little bit of mental health treatment that they get. And guess what? They give them a little pill pack and they boot them outside. Where are they going? Yep. Where, where are they going when they go outside? They're going right back into the streets, right back into the communities that they came from, and we again have to deal with them. So you know, as far as like the funding is concerned or real allocating money, we need to put money in the in the in the hands of social services so social services can work directly with law enforcement. So a right. badge and a gun doesn't show up to a crisis situation when an individual is dealing with mental health issues. So right. you, you're there just for backup purposes, just in case you need to go hands-on with somebody or use a level of force to restrain an individual, either educate yourself on CIT training, which is critical incident training, or mental health training, or work with individuals who are trained to do so and have them respond with nine with emergency personnel if the situation uh, needs so. Yeah, my department, we worked with the county and they had uh, mental health professionals that, that worked in our department. They would go out and uh, and and deal with these people on calls or, or proactively go out uh, to homeless communities and, and, and get these people services that they need. But now since COVID is, is gone, you know, they, they pulled them from our departments and I, I don't know what they're doing, you know, working virtually, which I don't know how you work virtually with with people in the homeless community. But, uh, uh, you know, that that's neither here nor there right now for this discussion. But uh, right. that, that's 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 what we're dealing with. 
I mean, you, you, like you said, I mean, you, you can't work virtually. I mean, that's almost like dispatching law enforcement to work virtually. Oh, let me pull this call up on this computer and let me talk to this yeah. individual who's threatened to kill himself. I mean, how, how the hell are you going to do something like that? Yeah, you can't. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not feasible to do anything like that. And like you said before, COVID has really hampered, you know, the efforts as far as like training is concerned. It's, it's hampered the efforts as far as education is concerned in the law enforcement, law enforcement community. And we have to get back to, to the path of which we knew and we have to get back, you know, the way we used to travel, you know, before this incident happened and, um, or, for, or before this virus happened. And, um, unfortunately right now, I mean, we're seeing a lot of regression of what we've done in law enforcement just because of this virus and the, and the fact that it has affected the community and the neighborhoods in which we police. And we're, we're vulnerable and susceptible to all of this because of the contact we come in contact with or the people that we come in contact with and, and, and taking it back home to our family members and things of that nature. And, and I, myself, I've, I've lost two individuals that I really, you know, had a good relationship with due to COVID and, and, and both of them wow. were in law enforcement and it's, it's a sad situation. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Condolences, condolences. Thank you, bro. How, how about yourself? You, you've been vaccinated or what's your plan with that? You know what? I I have not been vaccinated yet. I mean, right now, right here in the county where I where I live at in Collier County, Florida, they're taking care of the seniors first and foremost. Yeah. Anybody over the age of sixty five is is. I was going to say you, you're not senior yet, person. bro. You're not senior yet. Nah, nah, nah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even fifty yet. But nah. but at the same time, I mean, I you know what? I'm I'm cautious where I go. I use I use face coverings where I go, and one of the reasons why is because I got like I said before, man, I got a daughter that I got to that I have to be responsible for and whatnot, and. You know, I've I've had maybe I think I've had six tests so far and they've all been negative. You know, unfortunately, my wife got bit with the bug and, you know, she gutted it out and whatnot. And, and we nursed her back to health and things of that nature. So I've had firsthand experience of what it's like, you know, being surrounded with a, a covid situation or a covid patient and whatnot. And, um, you know, we, we did what the doctors told her to do and things of that nature and all the healthcare professionals and whatnot. And sh- she got over it. And um, hopefully she developed the antibodies and whatnot. But at the same time, I, I wasn't affected by her virus. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I take care of myself health wise, vitamin C, vitamin D, multivitamins, things of that nature. Try to get a little bit of exercise here and then or here and here and there. But at the same time, I mean, I've I just been knocking on wood. I haven't been affected by it. And, and uh, the people that are around me in this community that I know of haven't been affected by it either. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Make sure you, you continue to wash your hands and, yeah. and wear your face coverings and, you know, all that. Yeah. So so once everybody's vaccinated, we can get back to some semblance of normalcy because that's I what we so, need. Man. All this all yeah. this all this social distancing and virtually and and no no bars, no movie theaters, no restaurants, you know, all that's you know, yep. that's working on yep. us. That's working on our and, mental and, and it- and again, the, the, just like you said, the mental aspect. I mean, there are a lot of people you're you're dealing with the, the physical aspect of COVID, but now you're starting to deal with the mental aspect of COVID, and yes. people, you know, not being able to go back to their normal. They're 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 becoming you know mentally disturbed, and their suicide rate is up and whatnot yep. amongst teens because teens. I mean, there, there's no high school prom. There's no there's no high school yep. dance. There's there's no graduations. I mean. You're, you're doing little, you know, car convoys when it comes to graduation yeah, and people not, sticking their head out it. the windows and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, that's there are a lot of it. these young kids that are losing a lot of things, man. And and and, and we need to be, you know, conscious of that. And, and you need to talk to these individuals to make sure that their heads on right. 
Yeah, yeah. My son was one of those affected because uh, he graduated from high school last year and they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a prom. They didn't have a graduation, mm-hmm. a regular graduation. They didn't have grad night where they go to Disneyland or 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 another amusement park. You know, where they, they do that all night. And I remember doing that when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, it's sad. And now he's in his first year of college and, and they're doing virtual in college. So he's kind of missing out on that college experience now, too. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully hopefully we can get get back so he can experience at least the college experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one thing that he'll never forget in his entire life. He'll never forget right. his time in college. And, and that's, that's for people who, you know, aspire to be, you know, prepared for society and whatnot. I mean, yes, you know, that that's big. And, and I hope we do get back because a lot of people are missing that. Yeah. Yeah. All of us, all of us. All right, brother, man, what's, uh, what, what's next for you on the horizon? Man, you know, um, there there's some things that I've been doing in the IT field um that a okay. friend of mine got me involved with I'm trying to get into um some front end programming and whatnot and probably some business analyst stuff like that um but at the same time you know if 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 I have a calling to get back in law enforcement for whatever it may be I mean I, I want that calling to be something that I had developed passion for that I had in the past and whatnot and um because like I said before I'm I'm I'm, I'm not yet 50 but at the same time I mean I've gone through three knee surgeries and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature from, you know, what the wear and tear on my body and whatnot. But, you know, I'm still capable of getting it done. Um, I, I still keep my keep myself in shape mentally and physically and whatnot. So, uh, you know, what, whatever is in store for me, I am going to do it on my terms this time. Um, before I did it on else terms, but now I'm going to do it on my terms. And if it's something that does not agree with me and my family, I'm just not going to do it. I mean, back in the day, I could have been, I was selfish. You know what I'm saying? I was selfish right. in the manner of what I wanted to do in my law enforcement career. And that's one of the reasons why I got divorced and whatnot. But I mean, now it's, it's John Harrell terms. And, and that's what I'm going to do. If, if it's my future is bright for me, so to speak. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. You said uh, maybe some IT, you get, you got a background in that in programming. Or? I have, I, you know what? I have nothing involved with IT. I mean, really? I, I mean, there, I mean, I'm just now starting to get the Zoom aspect down, down pat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh-huh. the, the little virtual chats and whatnot. I, I, I got a little bit of IT when I was at the academy as an instructor and whatnot, learning. Um, you know, as as the days went on and whatnot, jumping in feet first. But um, you know, it was something that you know I know is geared towards the future, mm-hmm. and even in law enforcement, IT stuff is geared towards the future. So you know what. If uh, if you ain't catching up, you you know you're gonna fall back. You're gonna get left behind. So no doubt, you know I I, I wanna I wanna make sure I'm equipped to even deal with my my daughter as she grows up in the IT field and everything becoming yes. digital. Everything yes. is digital nowadays. So I gotta I gotta I gotta keep up. So that's what yeah, I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. My current assignment, uh, I work uh, internet crimes against children. So you know it's all over the internet. So that's all IT based. Yeah. You know, yeah. with, uh, you know, figuring out, you know, IP addresses and all that sort of stuff and, and, and telephones, well, cell phones and all that sort of stuff. So I'm getting all that training and maybe I could parlay that into something once I leave uh, law enforcement. But uh, like we talked about before, you know, having yeah. something to do once you once you get out and, you know, hopefully this this podcast can blow up a little bit more. I appreciate you for coming on and helping out with that. Hey brother, appreciate you having me, man. I, I saw yeah. you. I saw your work on LinkedIn and whatnot, and I know you were doing big things and whatnot. And I wanted to be involved. I wanted a little taste uh, of that tea, so I love. appreciate it. Much bro. love. Yeah, 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 no doubt. 
Yeah, yeah. But you're not done yet. Like I mentioned before, we got a little trivia game for you. So check this out. Oh, this yeah. game is called Black or Blue. 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 Let's get it. Let's do All it. Right, this game is called Black or Blue. Your category today is called Flagged on the Play. Flagged on the Play. I'm going to just give you a. Uh, Nation, a national flag, and you just tell me is the major color of that country's flag black or blue? Does it have the color black in the in the flag, or does it have the color blue in the flag? Real right. simple, right? All you gotta say is black or blue. Your first country is Samoa. Samoa. Do they have black in their flag, or do they have blue in their flag? Definitely, definitely black. The Samoan flag is definitely black. Uh, you would be incorrect. Samoa's flag has blue in it, as you see right there. That is the Samoan flag. Sorry about that, bro. It's education (laughs) time for me. It's education time. How about Iraq? Yeah, Iraq. Iraq. Yes. Um, Black or blue? I'm going to go with more blue. They are black. That is the Iraqi flag right there. Mm, oh man. man, come on now. 0 for two. Come on. Let, let, let's let's training, close it out. Let's, let's let's close this out. Let's close this out. We got we got this. Okay. We got this. How all about right. how about Egypt? Black or blue? Blue. More blue. blue. Oh, oh. Incorrect again. That is Egypt. It looks just like the Iraqi flag, except with that symbol is a little different there. Yeah, it does. That is it Egypt. does look like the Iraqi oh, flag. My. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I gotta we redeem got myself, man. I gotta you got to. You, you got a few more where you can where you can pull this out. How about uh, Malawi? Malawi, black or blue? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't even know 50, where that's at. Fifty fifty shot. Fifty fifty shot. Oh, blue. I'm gonna stick with blue. I gotta get blue. Oh. oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a good-looking flag, though. Red, red, black, and green. Red, black, and green. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I know you got this one. Finland. Finland. Oh, come on. Come on now. Blue and white. That is. All right. We got you. We got you. Finland. All right. How about uh, Syria? Syria. I know Syria has a lot of red. Um, I'm going to go with black. Correct on that one too. Yeah, 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 All yeah. right, it kind of looks like those other ones. Uh, Absolutely. In Iraq. Absolutely. Yeah. How about Haiti? Haiti. The Haitian flag. The Haitian nation. The Haitian flag. Oh, man. Black or blue? Give me blue. Give me. Give me blue with that. Right, you correct. Yeah. yeah. That is the yeah. Haitian flag right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, a couple more for you. Maybe we can pull this out. How about France? France more blue. I'm cooking with gas now. Is blue. Yeah. All right, right. In crunch time, you pulling through. How about your last flag? We talked about this country, Costa Rica. Costa Rica, yeah, that's your retirement destination. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Your, your spouse is from Costa Rica. Let me mm, blue. Let me get blue. Yes, indeed. Yeah. You pulled yeah, that out. Yeah, that is yeah, the yeah. Costa Rica flag. You yeah. did in the end pull out the clutch. We gonna call All you I do is win, 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 the winner. Yeah, it started out a little rocky, but you got through it. 
You got yeah, through that. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Boat yeah was not leaning in my direction. <laughs> nah, nah, but you pulled it. You pulled it back on the on the starboard side. So That's yeah, awesome. good, yeah, good work there. Good work there, yeah. man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, how about any last words for for our audience before we get you out of here? Hey, listen, man, I, I appreciate you having me, and um, I look forward to doing bigger and better things with you, hopefully in the future. Dell Peters, y'all, Back in Blue podcast. Get your facts together before you come on board, else you'll look like <laughs> me with, 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 with those trivia questions that he has in store for you. But I appreciate the fact that you had me on, had me on board, whatnot, and Black and Blue podcast, y'all, it's, it's, it's for real. It's live and direct. Thank you very much, Dell. Uh, thank you, man. You be safe out there in uh, in Florida. Enjoy the the palm trees and the white sand beaches. And every uh, day, all day, every day, all day, all day, all day. Thank you, sir. Appreciate thank you. Much you, love. Much love. God bless you. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to say bless up to retired Arlington County, Virginia Sheriff's Corporal John Harrell for stopping by the program. I appreciate your service out in Virginia, and wish you and your family. All the best down there in Florida. If you guys out there enjoyed this episode, be sure to give the show a like, share, and subscribe on YouTube or rate it five stars on your favorite podcast platform. I'll be back right here in a couple weeks with another fantastic interview, but till then, you already know. Stay black and blue. I'll holler at you. Peace. This has been a major game. Entertainment presentation.